Hello and welcome to the On The Whistle podcast. Oh, we've got a special one for you today. Joining us to talk about his national team is Radi Jaidi. There is no one better to talk to us about Tunisia, about the Eagles of Carthage, than their most capped player of all time, a player who's lifted that brilliant AFCON tr trophy in 2004. And if you want to hear about Jaidi's story of holding up that trophy in 2004, go back and listen to it. We did a special podcast where he spoke to us about the brilliant team that was put together, including two Brazilians who played for Tunisia. Work that one out for me. But today we, we, he joined us to talk about this current Tunisia team and how they might get do in this tournament. It's a big, it's a team mix, a mix of lots of experience and with some really young and exciting players who obviously Jaidi is keeping an eye out for. And we cannot wait to share with you what he said. It was a brilliant podcast. Um, I think, obviously, uh, I always, I personally always positive about, you know, Tunisia uh, national team and then the players that I have, we have now uh, in the, uh, in the national team, we have a good uh, quality, young uh, group of players, uh, very positive. I think they can achieve uh, some of the values like togetherness. Um, um, the the only downside uh it's is their lack of experience of course they have some of them who played the the previous afghan and then they played the the world cup which is great but still still if you compare it to 2004 the the level of experience is still not there yet but also uh why I'm saying this because you know most of the players we have now they're binational. Obviously, they're born in Europe and they compete in Europe, and they know that they know, you know, uh, the 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 African sub-Saharan you know um, uh, countries countries. So they they need to feel and they need to uh, get used to this. So they need a period of the adaptation, and that period of adaptation you need to um, you need to give it to them for them to be able, you know, to uh, to perform. Um, so that will take a little bit of time. Um, hopefully, we can use the first round as a as a great uh, um, opportunity to adapt the team to the um, to the to this to the environment to the level of football. But then we still in this first ground we had some good challenges. Eh? Uh, we played against Namibia, who's the who's a team who got qualified second time in a row now uh, in Afcon, and this shows the development in Namibia uh, football, at least the national team level, but also you know um, and the strategy of development behind that. So they uh, personally I didn't watch Namibia playing, but I know they they will compete. Uh, without any complexity against you know all the teams um so so it will be a good challenge but but mali and south africa they're teams who who are classical uh, classic you know uh, uh big teams who who will uh, try to go as far as possible as well same as tunisia 
So I think I think this is probably one of the hardest uh, Afcon, you know, uh, since since years, since couple of years, because you know all the teams you look at and all the groups you say mm, he has a chance, and oh these guys have a chance, oh these guys they have a bigger chance, and even there you go, you go, you know, up to the to the top you say okay Morocco made the semi final in the World Cup, you have Ivory Coast who hosting the the Afcon and they have a good team and then you go to Senegal who's there they try to keep you know the title and then you go oh you have uh, Algeria you have Egypt and then you have Morocco as I mentioned Morocco then you have you know Ghana Cameroon Tunisia so so it's gonna be it's gonna be very very interesting um, uh, Afcon and I wish you know for Tunisia obviously I don't know. I don't have any any idea how far Tunisia gonna go, but I know Tunisia will always there, despite you know, independently of the level and of the difficulty of the 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 the, the, the Afghan, Tunisia will always proved through through the generation through the years that we always finish in the quarter final and probably semi final, why not the final? And now if we know we do the final, then we win it. Um, but for the moment, we need to take it step by step. I think we need to make it, you know, in our in our group, which is not going to be easy. You have Mali and South Africa, which is we need to beat one of them at least, and then one of them need to have bad result against the other one for us to be able you not know, to go to the to the knockout stage, and then from there we're gonna we're gonna uh, make it uh, as high as possible. I mean, you guys must be uh, like sick of of playing Mali because I think this is what the third a third uh, Afcon in a row where you're in the group stage. It's just not nonstop, always Mali. Yeah, yeah, and of yeah. course, in the last Afcon was the I was obviously that famous game in the last Afcon where uh, referee Jenny Sakazwe you know blew for for full time at 86th minute when when you guys were one nil down and chasing, and then he blew it again in the 90th yeah. minute, like on the dot, no extra time and. You know, I, I guess I want to ask you quick, just quickly on that. You know, obviously, last Afcon was was an interesting one for Tunisia because you really struggled in the group, coming behind uh, both Mali and Gambia. But then it beat Nigeria, who probably at that point looking like the best team. You know, they beat Egypt, thrashed. I think it was Guinea Bissau and beat Sudan. And then you go out in 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 the next round, kind of honorably. But you know, you're talking about having this kind of mentality of you know togetherness and and unity. What does I guess something like that where you know you have something so freakish and like out of the, you know just so unexpected like a referee blowing up early and denying you a win you know and, and at one point where the federation was threatening to leave the tournament and it just all that chaos how how does that affect a team in terms of actually playing on the on the game like i don't know if you can put your you know yourself in their shoes but how would how do you even respond to something that's just so crazy like that yeah, look, you know, these, first of all, that's why I'm saying, you know, players lack an experience. Because, because if you, if you know, if you know the continent, well, you, you won't be surprised of this kind of, you know, uh, aspects because, you know, playing in the African Champions League or playing in a, in other tournaments in Africa, it's, it's an adventure. And then you will have all this sort of, you know, challenges get thrown on you, and then you have to respond positively because you wanna obviously win the games. Um, but you know, it was a strange, 
strange, you know, um, behavior from the referee that time. Obviously, we uh, we have a famous picture of uh, Mondrik Bayer, the head coach. He was like like this, you know, with his mm-hmm. face, and <laughs> it made me a bit, bit laugh, you know, the the picture yeah. because you know that's explained everything about the situation and uh, and uh, again, you know, uh, the the last the last uh, versions of um, of the Afghan Tunisia find it difficult, you know, to start the start you know the uh, the the tournament but then as i said gradually we we improve we progress and then we make it to the knockout stages and then we go up there um and this is explained itself i think uh, explained as i said you know one of the one of the thing is the players adaptability and players integration or uh, or, or uh, players you know experience um to uh, to to this uh, to to this tournament um a struggle to the first couple of games and then suddenly against Nigeria we uh, we had a great performance uh and then uh, we go through um and and this is again you know for me another proof showed that because because of the type of the players and the players you have and also and also um the staff who who find ways you know to 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 get the right you know uh, to make the right decisions the, the combination between them two allows us, you know, to express ourselves the right way. And that's why I always feel that um, the best maybe advice uh, I give to the federation to prepare the to prepare the uh, the tournament is always be early there, be early there, uh, get used to the environment outside the pitch, and then get used to the pitches, the grass, and then all around, you know, let the place, you know get used to that environment, get the place, you know, uh, feel, uh, and then, you know, uh, adjust to it. Uh, and then, boom, you, you're ready, you know, to go straight, um, straight peak performance, you know, from, from, from uh, game one. Uh, that's, that's my thing. I remember, I remember we've done it. I was a player. Uh, I remember Nigeria, Ghana, uh, Afcon, um, which we reached the uh, semifinal, I think. Tunisia yeah, played semi-final. We lost. Semi-final. We lost against Cameroon. Yeah. We lost against Cameroon. The big, big Cameroon. Okay. Boma and then uh, Etu and then Rigobert Sang. That that team. That team is, was. I think they won that team. That that that, that uh, tournament. Uh, I remember that time we went early, so we we stayed. We stayed. I think uh, more than more than uh, ten days. You know in. Um, in Nigeria, uh, and I think we played, you know, to, uh, friendly games, and then we 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 adapted ourselves well. Uh, even though uh, we didn't have the best squad, but we we, we managed to go to the semi-final, and that was a surprise even for our own uh, Tunisian uh, fans because because I think we lost first game and a second game. Uh, we lost against Morocco and we lost against Nigeria, I think. Um, and then we won against Angola. I remember I scored the goal. And then we we met we met Egypt in the quarterfinal. And then we won against Egypt one 0 So 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 again, I go back to my point. It's very important that that the preparation is key. And uh, this is go back to two thousand and four. Our preparation was great. We we played a lot of friendly games against strong teams. That allows obviously Roger Le Maire to watch 
players and then to to prepare obviously the system and to prepare the uh, the style um and then obviously um uh, after that uh the mental preparation and then the moral are more important than anything else uh, for you an adaptation as well to the environment is is very important than anything else for you to be able to get the the highest performance possible from the squad mm. and, and individuals of course yeah and one of the things i wanted to ask you about this team ready because i know you follow the team really closely particularly a lot of these kind of youngsters is is you've got this this team where you've got this kind of core group of of more you know really experienced guys i think of people like ali malul and you know maria and you know shkiri in in and libunian midfield sure. and of of course yusuf msakni up front you know still still plodding along uh, you know scoring goals but then you've yeah. got this this young group of youngsters who you know either were born in Europe or moved to Europe quite young who are kind of technically really talented you know I'm thinking of like Hannibal Medjbri is the obvious one but players mm. like you know Anis Ben Slimani uh, at Sheffield United really really talented players and, but mm-hmm. you know didn't necessarily grow up in Tunisia you know didn't have the same kind of African football education that someone like you did you know playing for Esperance and playing in CAF mm. Champions League semi-finals and finals mm. you know I, I guess I want to ask you this idea of because this is more and more common right for african nations is you know the players her, uh, you know it's more diverse more complex where players are coming from you know you could have a team like senegal where you have more players born in france than in senegal and and you have these kind of mixtures and that was a big talking point about the moroccan team and why they did so well at the world cup was you know regragi's ability to you know bring together the dutch born guys like ziak and the french born and and you know the mm-hmm. moroccan born guys you know what is your opinions on you know people from who were born abroad coming back to to play for a country like Tunisia particularly one is so proud as Tunisia has such a strong history you know and mixing with players like yourself who were you know born and raised raised in Tunisia you know what are your thoughts on that they 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 Tunisian and whoever whoever think they know or or think you know that we not need them is is lying to himself and then he has no clue what he's speaking about because you know Tunisia um we all under one one umbrella which is Tunisian flag they 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 love the country they part of the country they they choose the country over different other different countries yes maybe they're born yes maybe they're born in different country but they have dads and moms and and parents who uh did really well to make them to make them feel Tunisian and and make them even they did even better by make them feel they need to play for their country and and this is hard stuff because me I'm experiencing the same thing I'm I'm I moved you know to England since 20 years um my 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 wife is Tunisian um but my kids are all born in England uh, except Zainab my my daughter my my eldest daughter she's born in Tunisia but you know she raised in in England yeah so 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 and but the, my other two kids they're born in in England uh, and then and then I can't I can't I can't really I can't feel at any point on on in my my um parenting make them feel English I can't because mm. because because I I always refer back to Tunisia I always refer back you know to to our origins um we even we even i even you know restrict them to speak you know arabic in, at home at least uh which is uh which, which keep the connection and keep you know the 
the uh, the um, uh, awareness of, of of their background. Um, so 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 it's the same thing for these players. Um, we need we need to obviously make them feel, uh, uh, of course, at home. We need to make them. Um, we need to welcome them as much as as possible. But then, but then we're speaking now about football strategy as a as whatever government government body, federation, minister of sport, or whatever. Each country has its own structure. But for me, um, to 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 benefit from it and raise the level, I'm speaking about footballing strategy now. It's totally different. Uh, from uh, from uh, nationalism, if I can say that. So, mm-hmm. footballing strategy to raise the level, you need to you need to make it clear for everyone. Whether you're born in America and you want to play in Tunisia, or you're born in Brazil, you want to play in Tunisia, or you're born in Tunisia, you want to play for Tunisia. We need to raise the level for us to be able to dominate. And this is what, for example, Morocco did a little bit. So, so. Um, I'm gonna start from 50 50. 50-50. 50% improve our local sport, football. And 50% improve our recruitment to be national players. Mm. And that's how that's how I'm gonna raise the level. Raising the level by increasing the level of expectation on on demands and of development, of preparation of you know resources of the structure infrastructure all that stuff and that's what that's what you know P government body tried to get out of from because because you know we want the easiest way the shortcut bringing B national players because they're born in, in Europe they're developed in Europe so automatically they have better you know uh, level than Europe so they they it will bring them because just to be to replace the local player and this is that I don't like Mm-hmm. This is don't like. I don't like this. Why? Because you know, because me, if I was under this regime, I would never make it to national team. I was not. I was not Radit Jaidi who played in uh, in uh, in Premier League since day yeah. one. I had to make my way up. I have to develop myself. I have to. I had. I had. I had setbacks. I struggle. I was not good. I can't even pass the ball. So I had to work on. I had. I had to work on these aspects. For me to be able to express myself, uh, and then from south, Gibbs, third division, I had to move to north, you know, first division, Esperance of Tunis, and then I spent 10 years in Esperance of Tunis for me to get my skills ready to go and compete in the Premier League. So, so there is a path, and there is, you know, steps. Maybe if we improve, you know, our local. Uh, football development and improve our uh, structure and infrastructure that will reduce from 10 years you probably can make three four years and then you start you know to export players to europe you know at age of 22 23 and then you know your local level and players will improve and then suddenly now that will compete against you know the players who are in europe already so the level will raise up and then this, the results will raise up. Same as Morocco did. People were surprised why Morocco made it to the semifinal, and it was luck. I think it is not luck because Morocco, since ten years, they were preparing, mm-hmm. and then they improved their local football, 
and then they now improve with their recruitment and their connection with the Belgium, um, you know, federation and then with the French federation and then they brought, they competed against Belgium to bring, you know, the best players uh, with, uh, with the dual nationality. And then suddenly they have now a team and players who compete, you know, at highest level. But also these players, they compete in the highest club in the world, Manchester United, you know, and then uh, Chelsea and then, uh, and then uh, uh, Ajax and Holland and whatever. So, so, so that's, that's, that's my, my saying. Mm. And I, I love that. I saw a post you did on your Instagram saying as well as, you know, I'm African, not because I was born in Africa, because Africa was born in me. And I love that idea of kind of, yeah, it's, it's not about, you know, where you're necessarily born, but it's kind of about wh- where, you, where you're committing to. Um, exactly. Yeah, the, the, the only other thing I wanted to ask, right, again, I think you're probably the, you know, one of the best people to ask, uh, you know, is, is this, we've seen this movement towards uh, over the last few years of the success of, of African born or, or, or uh, coaches and coaches who have come back to their country to coach. You know, I think of Jamal Belmadi, Regragi, Alusise, you know, whereas, you know, traditionally we would have seen a lot of more European managers who maybe, you know, some, you know, I think good examples, you know, Desabra, uh, uh, DR Congo, people like that who have experience of coaching on the continent. But then we also seem to have a lot of ones who, you know, in the, in the past maybe didn't succeed in Europe. So they thought, okay, let me go get a job somewhere in Africa, maybe at a club or, or a country. Whereas at this AFCON, we've actually seen, you know, way, way more African manager. I think this is the, the, the uh, AFCON with the most countries coached by an African manager. Um, and I just wanted to get your kind of sense on how important that is as well as, you know, we're not just developing talent, not just developing players on the pitch, but also being able to develop you know, whether whatever means it is locally or bringing in people like Regragi who came back to Morocco, you know, starting to developing, you know, coaching and the infrastructure around coaches. Yeah, I think this is a great trend um, that happens, you know, uh, just pre the World Cup and then <coughs> took it to the World Cup. Uh, and then I think we had a good uh, feedback. Um, from from the World Cup, you know, especially with the success of uh, of Morocco, um, and then why I said is a good trend, because um, because a part of Morocco who decided the last minute obviously to bring Regragi to the national team, mm-hmm. I don't know in the background if Regragi was you know really linked to the national team before that. I know he was in Midad and then he had a good success in Midad. But then, uh, but then I know they got him last minute um, into the World Cup, and then he did what he did, which is great. Um, the only team I think who had uh, a local coach uh, teams that before the World Cup and for a for a for a good period, uh, Senegal, Fisé, uh, and then uh, Tunisia. We had uh, Mondrik Bayer, Tunisian local coach, and then. Uh, and then um and uh, as well uh, and then cameroon Rigobertson. um and then i go back i go back to senegal because senegal has success before that before the world cup the one the afcon with the with the lucc um which is which is great because because what senegal did it was a strategy it's not. It's not like a, a normal, uh, classic. Uh, not normal. It's not like a, 
um, the full cycle, if I can say, developing cycle. It's it's a it's a it's a former players who uh, who get who, who who given got given given the responsibility to raise the level of football, uh, and then they succeed. So you look at uh, Senegal; they have El Hajju, who's more on the political aspect of the game, uh, and then you have you know. Uh, other players like Kalilo Fatiga, uh, and and then obviously other other players who are, you know, protecting and then supporting Cisse, who's on a tactical um, um, responsibility, um, and then all together they raise up the level of uh, of football, but also with the quality and the resources they have, they have some good quality, obviously. Sadio Mene probably is on the is on the top, but but the quality of the Senegal, even in youth um, youth level, they have a huge a huge uh, quality. So so that meets each other's, and then they had a success, and that that could be a strategy, and then it's a successful strategy. as long as it's a success. Mm-hmm. You can't say it's not a strategy, it's not it's not a plan. Uh, but now now. What what is interesting is the Moroccan strategy um, uh, to to develop coaches. Um, uh, Morocco Morocco, despite you know other aspects from structure infrastructure um, from from the from the government body and then uh, improving the, um, the the quality of the teams and then the league. Uh, and then the national team, and then they're building, you know, they're building the Mohamed Kham Santa is one of the best, you know, in, in the world, and then all that stuff. They they hosted, you know, the the CAF Pro um, uh, one year before, one year or, or probably one year and a half before the World Cup, and that was okay. Um, they raised some some elbows, and then people, oh, we have a CAF Pro. Okay, that's the first question. Yes, we have CAF Pro, and then secondly. We have, you know, um, more than ten Moroccan coaches who already was involved in the, in the, in the uh, qualifications, and then they're going through a good development. And then the CAF and the pro license is not about, you know, having the diploma. The diploma is just a paper you can have, but I think the process you're going through uh, around, you know, eighteen months. Uh, to get to get this certificate, it's it's more it's more essential than the the pay, actual paper. Um, and then I think you know even uh, Regregi went through that despite the experience he had before that. So so for me for me that's that's a key, that's a key. And I think that should be the norm for all the 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 CAF federations, the the federations you know each federation. And I think Tunisia this year they're gonna. Host obviously the the CAF Pro as well for for our uh, coaches Tunisian coaches, and then all the federation should go through that process for us at least to be able you know to um, to improve uh, the level of of our coaches because I think um, there's a lot of questions why African coaches don't make it in Europe why African coaches they don't make it this and that. I think I think it's because of that because you know the development of coaches is not is not as is not as expensive and and expressive as as in Europe. Um, I, I I went through uh, two three different courses um, and speaking about leadership and management, 
courses. I'm not speaking about, you know, four, four, three, four, four, two, mm -hmm. or three, <laughs> five, two, you know, tactical. I'm speaking about management. I'm mm. speaking about leadership, you know, how to communicate, how to influence and how you, you are aware of your psychology and the people's psychology around you for you to be able to improve. You're speaking about high performance. What does that mean, high performance? What does that mean, performance? We don't know even performance yet, you know, in uh, uh, the meaning of the performance, you know, in, in Africa, which is something, you know, that, uh, again, a uh, big question mark for me. Uh, well, so Europe speaking about the high performance and then consistent high performance. So you can perform at your highest uh, and then consistently. How you get, how you keep that as a professional, whether whether you outside the, the square or you inside the square. So mm -hmm. these are the aspects that coaches need to know and then they go through and then each coach after that, you can choose, you know, his, his path and then his, his, uh, his philosophy and his way of thinking. So the World Cup give us a great opportunity uh, and give us a good trend uh, and good awareness, you know, to, to say, okay, the local coaches, they are as clever and as, as effective as many other coach. Okay, let's give them or us, if I put myself there, let's let's give us the right platform, support and platform for us to perform at our highest. I think this is what I think the CAF Federation should think of, and I think they started the work has been ongoing now. Uh, as I said, you know, I was I was lucky. Uh, I was invited for the uh, for the Afcon draw, and then I had a lot of discussion with my uh, brother Anthony Bafoy uh, of Ghana. Mm -hmm. uh, he's a, he's a really he's a really uh, good man who working you know for the benefit of the uh, uh, African uh, continent in general, especially you know try to improve you know uh, the these kind of aspects you know from from structure. Uh, administration structure from from players and former players, you know, uh, uh, alleged, you know, um, uh, support and all that stuff. And then I'm, we're still in touch. And I think this is a, a big task, you know, for for us all as a former players, you know, for us to be able, you know, to help help the the football um, because always football go back to football players uh, in general. Absolutely. Ready. Thank you so much. And you've been so generous with your time. I, we always finish these, these preview podcasts with, with a quick fire round of questions. So I'm just going to give you three, two or three qu questions that I'm, I'm looking for quick answers. So for you coming, coming into this AFCON 2023, who is Tunisia's most important player, the, the team? Yusuf Lemsekni. Mm -hmm. Okay. Exactly. And then, you, you know, we've talked a lot about some of the youngsters who are, who are potentially being in the team. Who is the, the, the one youngster that you think we need to all be watching out for at the AFCON? I think there is, a, there is a two players, two key players for us. I, 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 I'm saying three. <laughs> um, you have, you have uh, Muhammad Ali Burundan, you have uh, Hanabab Mazbri, and you have Talbi, who's a centre-back. Mm -hmm. Okay, and then... How far? I need a prediction. How far do you think Tunisia will make it this this Afcon? Uh, I wish Tunisia will make it at least to the semi final. Semi final, okay. 
And then if if Tunisia don't win the tournament, who is who who's your prediction for the team that will win it? Oh, this is a difficult one. It's a it's a tough one. <laughs> I'd say Morocco. The obvious Morocco. One. Mm-hmm. And then who who is gonna be the top scorer at the AFCON? Who's your prediction for top scorer? Oh wow. Uh I don't know. I'll keep it. I'll keep it to the uh, uh, the obvious one. Mo Salah, Sadio Mane. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe Moroccan. No, I don't know. Zayesh. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll go with Zayesh. If Morocco are gonna win it, you know he'll be the top scorer. And yeah. If, yeah, if he's the if he's the top scorer, who who do you think will be the best player at the tournament? Who will get the the best player of the tournament award? It's difficult, but I like, you know, these days, the Nigerian um, striker, what's it called, he plays in Napoli. Aussie man. Who had, who, had, who had obviously the best player, African player, which is, which is exciting. I'm, I'm not, I'm keeping, I'm still, I'm still feel, I still feel, you know, the Mo Salah, you know, Sadio Mane, they, they, they're still dominating, you know, the African football, but I know, I know it's not by themselves. Yeah, of course. Uh, it's just all depends on, on other stuff. I don't want to make you know my answers long, but yeah, <laughs> let's say because he's a new, it's young, promising player. So I'm gonna keep an eye on him. Victor Aziman, absolutely ready. Thank you so much. You've been so generous with with your time for, and thank you so much again for for joining the podcast. We love it every time you you come out and speak to us. <laughs> no problem. No problem. Pleasure mine, and then uh, all the best, guys. Mm-hmm.